Welcome to She Wakes Up, a podcast where you are granted permission to rise above your past, crush your fear and self-doubt, and go after the future of your dreams. I know life has taken over and has driven you to a place where you feel lost and scared and you have no idea how you got here. You just feel stuck in your job, relationships, motherhood, all of it. I see you and you're in the right place. I'm your host, Stacey Feeling, and I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been where you are. I was lost in abuse, finances, anxiety, poor health, you name it. I was up and down for years trying to fix myself on the surface. What I found was the real damage in need of fixing came from the inside. And so it was. If this is you, come hang with me. Grab a drinky drink and maybe a pint of some ice cream because we are skipping the small talk and getting right to the juice. Because girl, it's time to wake up. Welcome to another episode of She Wakes Up. Today, we have special guest Courtney Wenzicki. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And Courtney is a wife and a toddler boy mom. She's the founder of Confetti Worthy Media, a digital resource company that specializes in a course all about the Instagram platform so that small business owners can create content and communities worth celebrating. She is also the host of the Entrepreneur Her podcast, which aims to inspire, educate, and empower female business owners through her weekly episodes. Courtney is also personally a huge mental health advocate and loves country pop music and taking naps. Sounds amazing. Courtney, I'm right there with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I'm excited to have you. And just so Courtney and I actually met through a mastermind that we are in with Keisha Fitzgerald. And so we're just both working on our businesses and we connected. So wanted to bring her on the show and just have her share her story. So tell everybody who Courtney is, what brought you here. We'd love to hear more. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, so yeah, like, as you said, I'm a wife and a mom first and foremost. Um, my husband and I will actually celebrate five years married this month. So that's exciting. Like five years is like that first real milestone, right? Yeah. Um, and then my son is almost four, which your, is your son four or almost four too? Yep. He will be uh, four in June. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think yep. that that was one of the cool things about when we met was like, we got thrown into like a zoom room and it was like you and me. And then one or two other women all had boys that were like the same age, which was so bizarre. Uh huh. It was random. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I have, um, to me, just like a little bit of backstory about how I got into entrepreneurship and such. Um, I went to school for public relations and business and, I never felt after I graduated that I had like any type of job that like fulfilled me or lit me up other than my college internship. Um, and I felt like it was that something was wrong with me, um, because of that. But then like long story short, I guess, is that it's because I was always trying to just do the traditional thing that you're supposed to do and like go work for somebody else and just like follow the corporate culture. And when I really got into personal development is when the, I mean, entrepreneurship is very big in the personal development space. And so that's really what opened my eyes. And what's also interesting about that is both of my parents owned their own businesses, but for some reason, I never thought that that was a path I could go down. Like it wasn't really, I don't know if they just didn't enjoy it. So they didn't like encourage it or what that reasoning was. But, um, so really in the last two years, since I've gotten into personal development, 
the idea of being my own boss and creating my own thing that would fill me up, um, kind of like came on the horizon. So I've really, really been working towards that for the last like year. That's interesting that you came from a house where entrepreneurship was normal, but yet you never saw yourself in that space. And I feel like a lot of times because of that lifestyle, it almost just becomes the norm. So yeah, what made you feel like, I guess they just weren't inclusive. They were closed off to that, or they just didn't want you to go down that path because of the possible struggle. You know, a lot of small businesses fail. What was their perspective um, on that? So I think that, well, and particularly the timing of some things. So I'll say two things to that. The first is that my, my father kind of fell into entrepreneurship and that his business, um, he was, he owned a dry cleaning company that his grandfather started. So my great grandfather then passed it down to my grandfather, then passed it down to my dad. So I don't know if necessarily my father would have ever chose entrepreneurship or maybe it wasn't that for me, in my mind, it was always like the family business and not, oh, my dad's an entrepreneur. My dad worked in the family business per se. Um, and I had never thought I wanted to work in the family business because I didn't want to work at a dry cleaners. <laughs> like <laughs> that just wasn't aspirational to me. Um, but then on the other side of things, so my mom then went to create a company that was kind of in partnership with my father, um, where she did like screen printing and embroidery, um, you know, think corporate sweatshirts, stuff for schools, spirit gear, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, she did that when I was in middle school, fast forward through a lot of things, both of my parents actually, let's see, when did this all happen towards the end of my college career? Um, lost both of their businesses, lost the home that I grew in, grew up in and got a divorce. Wow. So I think that, and my mom, my mom will tell me even now, as I am, you know, going into this entrepreneurial path, she says, she'll say to me, you know, if I could go back, I would have never been my own boss. I would have never went down. And she also says, I would have never went into business with my husband Mm -hmm. because they're divorced. That adds a whole Um, other layer to their marriage for sure. So I think that for them, naturally, like you said, because it, it failed and they didn't see success at the end of it, they personally have a negative connotation towards what entrepreneurship or owning your own business is like. Yeah. So what inspired and motivated you? I mean, and you went through the traditional path you saw the failure that comes with some entrepreneurship, but yet here you are and you're doing fairly well for yourself. So like what motivated you? And I mean, that's just very inspiring for somebody that has gone through very similar, knowing that it's still possible to find that motivation. I very vividly remember the conversation when I was decided that like, I was really going to do this. Like it was within the past, like nine months probably where I was like, mom in 2022, like I'm going to leave my job. Like, you know, just telling her like, it's all going to happen this year finally. And I remember we were texting, it was the text exchange and where she had said like, honey, I just want you to know, like, if I could go back, I would not do it the same. So just know like, it's going to be hard, blah, blah, blah. And I remember saying back to her, you know, cause she said that she felt like she missed out on a lot of time with us as kids and whatnot. And I told her from my perspective as the child, I didn't feel that way. I, I never felt neglected. I felt that my parents were yes, hardworking, but they worked so hard to give us things. Like I remember, um, 
I was one, maybe in eighth grade, we were able to buy a home up at Lake Erie. And then we spent our weekends for four years going up to Lake Erie and we had a boat and we wouldn't have been able to do all of those things. I believe if my parents weren't so aspirational and entrepreneurial and had the flexibility to also leave work on a Friday at 10, 11 o'clock mm-hmm. because they were their own bosses and we could spend three day weekends up at Lake Erie. So I took it as that perspective for me. We got three day weekends, six months out of the year. Like we got all to do all these extra fun things that required money and time flexibility that you don't get if you're not your own boss. Yeah. That's pretty funny. The perspective, you know, and as moms, I think that we are so hard on ourselves, but just hearing you say that, no, actually what my mom didn't see is what inspired me to do this because of the life that I got to live. And because I felt my parents were present, but she probably has beaten herself up about feeling like this whole time she was not giving you that attention. And so Mm -hmm. it's good for her to hear that from you. um, And it's good for you to recognize that in yourself. So how do you balance motherhood and your entrepreneurship now differently than what maybe your parents did for you? I think that one of the things that's interesting or challenging for me versus my mom is, you know, my mom didn't start her business until, you know, like I said, I was, you know, maybe 11, 12 years old and I have two younger sisters, but even my youngest sister at that time would have been, gosh, maybe six or seven. So at least in elementary school, whereas for me right now, you know, my son's three and I think that I do understand and get how everybody says like, you know, the toddler years are so precious. So in that sense, I, I, I do see that there's a difference there and you know, the, the whole, the, the children are growing up so fast and he's learning and developing so much that I also am still putting that blame and guilt on myself anytime that I am not there. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is that I just know that it's like short-term sacrifice for long-term gain you know, for the last six months, particularly I worked really, really hard. Like, and I was working a regular part-time job and then also doing this on the side. And there would be multiple evenings during the week where I would come home from the part-time job and then also continue to work on Confetti Worthy Media. And then on the weekends, dedicate one day to working on Confetti Worthy Media. And then the other weekend day was just for my family. And I think just knowing that, okay, I'm just going to do this for like six to nine months. And then after that, I'll have so much more time, freedom, and flexibility to be with um, my husband and my son. I think I just keep those, like, keep that, those blinders on. And I've had conversations, quite frankly, with my counselor of like, you know, just so long as this isn't like a three-year plan of like for the next three years, you're going to be spending (laughs) your, you know, one, one weekend day a month, um, or I mean, I'm sorry, a week away from your child. That isn't the plan. So two years from now, we'll look back and see. Um, but right now I'm literally in the middle of it. Yeah. And that's really hard just with anything when you're in it, it's really hard to see past that. And all you can really do is take it one day at a time and see where it leads you. And then you get to look back and reflect and say, oh yeah, you know, this, this did work out or this didn't work out the way that I'd planned, but you're only doing your best with what you know in the moment. And I think that's so important to have that perspective and understanding and giving yourself that grace to know that we'll see what happens. But here I am showing up every single day, knowing that the entrepreneurial space, and I know for what I'm doing 
very similar to what you just shared is I'm working full time. I'm also going to school, um, you know, raising a family, doing the podcast. So my schedule, my planner is like color coded and I block out my time because that's the only way that I can make it work. And it works, but I know too that this is going to cause burnout if I continue doing this for three years. I am committed for this for the short term. I'm willing to do all the work right now to get it going. And then I want to coast because that's where you hit that beautiful space in entrepreneurship. Like you said, that time flexibility. And that's, you know, really what entrepreneurship gives you is more time. So yeah, I, I think our goals align with that very much. And I completely understand where you are. But if you're willing to do the work and you can see what good can come of it, that just helps motivate you in knowing that this isn't forever. This is just a season. We'll get through it and then we can coast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I was just going to say too, I think something else that I have been conscious of is when I'm working and I was not good at this, say at the end of last year versus the beginning of this year, when my son is around I really have to try to be mindful to not try to multitask or be working Um, because I was trying to do that and I'm not perfect at it now by any means, but let's just saying, you know, particularly for me, like my job is social media and Instagram. So even just like, you know, commenting or engaging or answering DMS while I'm supposed to be supposed to be paying attention or playing with my son. Um, So that is something that I have been really intentional about and specifically like the two times of day where he really needs and wants mommy's attention is right when I pick him up from daycare. So I make a point to like those, like for 20, even if it's just 20 minutes, my phone can stay in the kitchen and him and I go in the playroom. Nobody's going to die for me not answering (laughs) or looking or answering a DM or engaging with them for 20 to 30 minutes. And then the other important time is that period right before bed, like 20 to 30 minutes before he's going to sleep at night. I don't need to be looking at my phone. I don't need to be doing this or that. Um, And I feel that that's really made a difference both with him because then he will also tend to act out and misbehave if mommy's trying to work or multitask or, you know, do whatever when I mean, my goodness, what is it to just pour and pay attention to our little ones for 20 to 40 minutes a day? Yeah, they crave that attention. And really that 20 to 30 minutes is just what they need. And then they can go occupy themselves for a little while and you can get back to your business. But yeah, you want, never want to look back and regret the time that you didn't take knowing that, you know, social media might not be here in 10 years, you know, but your son will. And he'll have those memories. So yeah, that's really important that you recognize that too. And it is hard. It is very hard when you have deadlines, you have things that you want to get done. But then you know, I, when I carve out my time, that bedtime routine is very sacred in our family as well. And nothing interrupts that. You got to have those boundaries, <laughs> which is yep. not always easy. It's so, not. Um, you had talked about, I know that you know, you're in a really good place right now, but you know, this episode is all about when you had that moment, when you woke up and now you're here, but what are some of the struggles that you had to go through to get to this good space that you're in right now? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's open up that can, shall we? (laughs) Yes, we shall. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I have been somebody that, um, you know, identifies with struggling with anxiety and depression all the way back to, gosh, being like maybe 17 years old. And, you know, a lot of that came from the fact that in my family, you know, which we've spoken about a little bit already, 
my father was dealing with alcoholism. And then I had a sister who um, was dealing with a drug addiction. So as much as our family from the outside looking in was just like this perfect, typical middle-class family, we had these things and issues um, going on that caused kind of these feelings within me. So I had that, you know, the latter part of high school and then into college. Um, And it just kind of never, I mean, it never went away. And then when it came time for me to um, go to have a child, you know, I was doing all the research and prep that, you know, any, any type of mom might be doing. And I was like telling my husband, Oh, you know, like there's this thing called like postpartum depression and I'm going to be a prime candidate for it because I already have anxiety and depression. So like, just get ready and buckle up type of thing. And then, yeah, when I had my son and it actually hit me in a way that I, I mean, quite frankly, it was just way worse than I thought that it would have been. And I I think that I was also surprised about how hard it was for me to become a mom because for the four and a half years prior prior to becoming a mother, I worked as a nanny full-time for three different families, ages nine months old to 10 years of age. I got this. Like, I know what it's like to be with kids all day. (laughs) So different when they're yours, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because there's no break. You know, there's no, obviously then until you can go back into the workforce, if you work traditional job, but there's no break. And it's so different when it's yours. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically, there was one time where we were around a set of twins and I was like consoling them, holding them, like literally had one on each hip. And I was, I was so calm. And my husband was like, what the heck? He said that to me after we had left the, the person's home, because when my son would cry, especially as an infant, not so much now as a toddler but it literally would shake me. I would get angry. I would get frustrated. Like just literally my world would fall apart because I couldn't control the fact that my son was crying. Other kids, other people's kids crying, no problem. No problem. Just goes to show you how strong that bond is just from the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, what's so interesting, and I've shared this on one other podcast and I mean, this is, this is really, this is some deep stuff here, but you said we could talk about whatever. Um, although I had all, you know, had depression for the longest time, I had never been in a place necessarily where like suicide was something that I had considered. And what's so interesting is that once my son came into the world, I actually started to have what, and I never knew that there was this term, but suicidal ideation. So not necessarily ever planning out how I would do it, but almost just like, you know, dreaming of the what if, just the the ideation of it. Mm-hmm. And what was so incredibly eye-opening for me was that the the thing, my 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 son, my child, that was supposedly driving me to have those terrible, scary thoughts was also the very reason that I would never act on the thought. I work labor and delivery and I've had personal experiences with family and friends with postpartum depression. And those thoughts, those emotions are very real and it's very hard to understand because of that, what you just said, it is making you have these thoughts, but yet you don't want to leave because of them. Mm -hmm. What a conflicting place to be in. Not only trying to navigate that, but just 
new motherhood and all the things that come along with that, let alone trying to give your child basic needs, but yet also wishing that you were no longer here. Or for some moms, giving your child basic needs and then conflicting, not wanting your child here in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's very scary. Something that I feel is just not, you know, they, they mention it, but they don't really, nobody really talks about it. Nobody really Mm -hmm. prepares you. There is a lot of help. There are a lot of resources, which is great. But if you don't have those conversations and you don't really let a person know what their options are, it can be really scary. How did you overcome that? What were some things that worked for you? Because that's, that's powerful. I think one of the biggest things for me was when I actually started to like admit that that's how I was, how I was feeling and saying it out loud, because probably for like a whole year, honestly, I was feeling it and thinking these things and literally told no one I was acting in a way that maybe somebody could tell, you know, um, like for me, it was a lot of like postpartum rage. Like I I would say to my husband and my husband obviously knows, like I was never really anyone to yell or necessarily get angry, but I was. And then when that would happen, then I would go into the spiral of sadness because I'm like, this is not who I am. Like I'm not an angry person. So that was through all of, throughout all. So for reference, my son was born in July of 2018 throughout like all of 2019. I felt like I was like silently suffering. Um, and then we all know that in 2020, the pandemic happened, which was just fabulous for most people's mental health. So by the fall of 2020 is when I was like at this breaking point. And that's when like, you know, I, I, um, what did I, I feel like I started to see a therapist in summer of 2020, started to play around with changing a medication. And in the fall of 2020, my therapist recommended a, um, for me to go to, to go see a psychiatrist. And so that was one of the big things that kind of helped me get, you know, starting to get on the right path. But God, I, I remember to also just like, you know, telling my mom, like, you know, I'm having like bad, scary thoughts. Like, you know, I, I'm thinking like, you know, I don't want to be a mom anymore. I run, I want to run away. Like, you know, just all these things. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was like a blessing and a curse when I said it out loud, because then like, you know, I tell my mom and then my mom who my mom and dad are divorced, but my mom then calls my dad. And then my dad calls my husband, like to make like, everybody's like, you know, throwing up the flares to make sure Courtney's okay. It was almost then like worse for me because I was like, I don't want a hundred people texting me and calling me either because I don't, I was like, I just, I just need you to care and like, know that I'm okay. But also just like, it was really crazy. Like there was a, like from like October, November, December of 2020, like fucking sucked. It just really sucked. And it sucked for people that weren't going through something like this. I can only imagine having this prior to, and then having to go through all of that on top of it. And there is that stigma. There is that fear of being judged. There is a little bit of guilt that comes with having these emotions and these thoughts. And it is hard to have those conversations because you just, you don't want to feel like a burden. You don't want people to worry about you. Like you said, you don't want to then add even more to your plate by having people check in on you. You know, that becomes overwhelming in and of itself, but you have to get it out. You can't suffer in silence. Like you said, what advice do you have for somebody that's in that space of 
that confliction of, do I say something or do I just deal with this on my own? Because realistically, can you deal with it on your own? I really don't think that you can. Um, I think that for some women, and gosh, it depends. God, this really might sound weird, but I don't know another way to say it. It depends on how strong your love for your child is because I think any and every time that I ever had a weird or scary thought, well, for me is my, my husband and my son, I would be like, no, because I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine somebody telling my husband and then my husband having to tell my son, like, you know, like mommy went to heaven or like, mommy's not here. So like literally that would stop me every time, every single time. So it's like, you have to tell something, especially if you're in the phase of like, where you've actually thought about like how you would do it or anything like that. You have to, I mean, and maybe put some type of like set a boundary of like, listen, I'm telling you this, but I also don't want you to be like overly crazy and like text me every day and be like, how are you? Or like, call me like, because that can, especially if you have like the anxiety piece of it. Like sometimes if I have too many text messages on my phone, it makes me anxious. Mm -hmm. So maybe just be really open about what type of like help it is that you want for me to, like I mentioned, I was like, I was seeing a counselor and she was great, but I was obviously still feeling the way I was feeling. So I switched and I saw a different counselor. I was on medication, but I was still feeling the way I was feeling. So we switched medication. Mm-hmm. Like don't, I guess. So the overall thing, like a tell somebody and B don't give up. You know, you maybe be like, I'm on medication. I'm taking this. I'm taking that. I'm going to therapy. Okay. But if it's not working, it's not working. And do you know how many types of medication there are? Do you know how many types of therapists there are? Do you know one of the things that actually really worked for me and made me so much better the last six months, I'm taking the same medication that I was taking back in 2020, but I take it at morning versus at night. Yeah. Just Game a changer. Change. Yeah. And that's very difficult. The medication and, and healing mental health is challenging because it manifests differently in everybody. Just like you said, with your postpartum experience, you were having suicidal ideations, whereas somebody else might be having those thoughts about harming their child. And so it's never the same for anybody. And the way that your body reacts to medication, you could give somebody that same medication and they could have a better reaction if they take it at a different time of day. Exactly. And so it is very difficult and you have to advocate for yourself and you have to say, this is working or this is not working. What other options do I have? And continue to push, ask questions. If you're not liking your counselor, go find another one until you find somebody that you really connect with because you will, you will, you will find those resources, but it might take a little bit of time. And I think that's great advice to not give up. Yeah. And so then patience too, right? Mm -hmm. Like have, I mean, especially with medicine too, I, and I always still like, it's a frustration, but I understand it now. Anytime you switch medication or go on a new medication, they'd be like, now you got to give it like three to four weeks. Yeah. And you know, especially when it's something with your mental health, that can be so frustrating because you're like, Oh, but I, I mean, to not feel good physically is one thing to not feel good mentally is another. And like, you just want to feel better. I get it. 
So that would also be something that was so frustrating to, there was one year, was it 2020? In 2020, I was on four different medications because we were trying to find what would work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't want to switch you off with something too soon. When one medication doesn't work, you necessarily don't want to try a different medicine. Maybe you want to go up in the dosage. Right. Like there's so many variations of the things you can do. Like you just, you have to be patient. Yeah. And sometimes you get the physical along with the mental too, not just from um, the medications, but also the way that anxiety and depression can just take a toll on your whole well-being. Um, So yeah, you want that relief right now. You know, we are a society of instant gratification. And when you are struggling, you want relief. Now you are, Mm -hmm. you are at your point where you want that relief. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back to something that you had mentioned about, you know, how having that conversation with somebody to let them know what kind of help that you need when you are going through this. And for that person, they might not even know what that is, but to just say, I'm not sure. I just wanted to let you know that. So I didn't feel alone. Yeah. And just give me time. Let me process this and don't give up on me. You know, just understand where I am. I think that's just a really good place to start because you might not even know how to help yourself, but until you get to a point where you can say that at least you've made other people aware. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also think too, if, you know, obviously everybody has different types of people in their life, but if you have the choice, if you are so, so blessed to have the choice with the option of the type of person that you go to with this information, definitely obviously have it be somebody who's more open-minded versus closed-minded. Um, you know, there's some people quite honestly, who don't necessarily even think that, you know, mental health or depression or suicidal thoughts are quote unquote, a real thing. Um, and what could be detrimental to you feeling the way you're feeling is if you take those feelings to somebody who's like, Oh, you're just having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just something else I would say. Cause I do particularly have a family member who I believe has very, has feelings very similar to mine. Um, but they will not identify or ever use the word that they are depressed. And I just think that that's really unfortunate because I think if they would just admit that, that there's a whole world of healing on the other side of admitting that. Yeah. And even not even having to put the label on it, but just saying, this is how I'm feeling, not being ashamed to share your emotions Mm -hmm. and making them real so that they can be validated because you shouldn't feel the way that you feel. It's okay to feel the way you feel, but you're not deserving to feel that way. And share that with other people so that they can understand why it is that you're not quite yourself um, and let other people know what you're going through. I know it can be like a, a blow to the ego sometimes when we have to admit something is wrong, but that's when you get your support. That's when you get the help that you need. What are some, you know, if somebody says, I don't know what I need, I don't know what kind of help that I need. I just, I know that this is what I'm experiencing. What are some of the warning signs? Like you said, you recognize it because you've gone through it, but for somebody that doesn't, but 
obviously you have people in your life that care about you that might not recognize what are some of those things that people can look out for as a cry for help when somebody is not comfortable coming out and saying how they're feeling? Mm. Um, for sure. I would say just any type of like different change of emotion. For example, me, like I'm not like a quote unquote angry person. And I would just like for the smallest type of thing, like yell or get so upset. I remember one specific instance, um, my son grabbed his like humidifier, like literally an accident off of, and like knocked it off of his dresser and like the water went everywhere all over his carpet. And I lost my mind. Like that's totally not worth losing your mind over. Um, you know, so something like that, where it's just like, that's out of character for that individual. Um, uh, another thing would be, and uh, the, again, this was something that I identified with, um, but I've read that this is very common is just um, sleeping more often or the, the inability to sleep, which that was not my case. Um, but for me, it was just, that was like a, an escape for me was, well, if I'm sleeping, I don't have to deal with the realities of X, Y, and Z. So for me, I leaned into sleeping much more than needed or normal. Um, but I have read that it can also look like the opposite, you know, if they're having trouble falling asleep, um, you know, or staying asleep, things like that, any type of change in the sleep pattern then really, you know, could mean that they're just emotionally just like not, not doing as good as they could be doing. Yeah. The behavior change is a big one and the attitude, mm -hmm. the being more irritable, yeah. turning to things that they wouldn't, you know, sometimes addictions um, come from this mental health because they're just, people are trying to cope, um, things like self-harm, um, like trying to release those emotions, um, that physical way, you know, people, and I think there's a misconception too with self-harm and that suicidal ideation. And then also that suicidal thoughts, you know, what, yes. what is the difference between being suicidal versus suicidal ideation and self-harm? And usually self-harm is not somebody trying to be suicidal. It's somebody trying to cope with their feelings and they would rather feel physical pain than the emotional pain that they are feeling. How would you describe the difference? Because you said you never got to that point of a plan. What suicidal ideation and those thoughts versus being suicidal. And can somebody, do you think somebody goes in and out of those? Is somebody like, what are, and I'm, I don't know the answer to this, but I just want to ask you from experience, is there a breaking point when you go from suicidal ideation to, yes, now, you know, this is past this and I am planning? Yeah. And that, like, I wonder too. So I had, there was two specific incidences where I had, which caused me to then take action, like A, switch my therapist and then B, ask my therapist at the time if we felt that I should go to um, see a psychiatrist psychiatrist psychologist psychiatrists are the ones that can um, diagnose and prescribe that yes that okay um so i guess this is even where maybe my definition of being having suicidal ideation versus being suicidal might be blurred um there is a period of i remember a day i had a really hard morning with my son and i went to drop him off at daycare and i came back um, and I'm trying to, I must've been working from home that day. My job that I used to have was like hybrid. So I worked some days at home, some days in the office. And I remember coming back 
and literally just on accident, I closed the garage door before I had turned my car off. And for a split second, I thought, oh, I've seen in movies that this is how some people will kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had had a hard morning and like for lit- for like, who knows how long it was in reality. It felt like an eternity for me, but I sat there and I had the thought, but then like I turned my car off and I walked inside. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to identify that as, but it was like thinking that scared the shit out of me. Like the thought that I thought that, and like another instance was I was driving once and I was so angry and frustrated And I remember thinking, oh, I could just do like a crazy hard left turn and like lose control of my vehicle. And literally as I, then after I thought that my, my girlfriend, her family owns a bakery, I literally drove straight to my girlfriend's bakery and went, I was seriously hysterical bawling. And she was like, oh my God, what's wrong? And she just like took me into the back and like, I was just like, I just had the worst, scariest thought ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like you said, it just kind of hits you. Did it- like I, and it's like, if I could control the thought, I would. Right. Yeah. And I truly, truly would. And it's not, that's the hard thing is sometimes logically doesn't match up with how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You can logically say, that's a silly idea. That doesn't make sense. Why? You shouldn't be thinking these things. Yet you are, and you can't stop those things from coming in. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a really hard place to be when you know, quote unquote, better. Yes. Yet you cannot stop. Mm-hmm. Did this come at you like a freight train or did this, was this something, you know, obviously you said you had some behavior, the anger and things like that, but did you go from zero to 60 when this came about or did, was this a gradual thing once you had your son that you started to notice slowly and then you got to yeah. the point of having those thoughts? Yeah. Very, very gradual. Um, I think that I just didn't take, I didn't take some of the smaller things serious enough in the beginning. Like I said, literally like through all of 2019 in the first half of 2020, I was like, quote unquote, suffering but I think that I normalized it for two different reasons. One, because I was like, I'm postpartum, you know, like my son was like one, one and a half. And I was like, still just claiming that postpartum period. And two, which piggybacks off of this, but just saying like, oh, well, like it's just a little bit worse for me or harder for me because I already have struggled with these types of things that it's just going to be harder for me. So it was like I was making excuses as to why it was just harder for me or worse for me. Mm-hmm. And so then it took, you know, up until the latter part of 2020 when here my son's now almost two and a half and I'm like, this is getting like, these are, this is starting to get really bad. Like I'm becoming really angry. I'm sleeping all the time. I'm having, you know, random, you know, random, terrible, scary thoughts. And I feel like this is, a big part of, you know, what we talk about on the podcast is that self-care for any mom is, do you feel like you did any of that self-care? I mean, I know when it got bad, you probably weren't even thinking about that, but is there anything that you do now that you think may, may have helped you through all that rather than just 
trying to justify, make excuses. Do you think taking some time for your self-care would have made it a little better or easier to navigate? Yeah, I think that what's an interesting dynamic about the timeline is that the beginning of 2020 is when I first got into personal development. And then like the end of 2020 is when things got really, really bad. And part of that, and I, I don't know, this might sound interesting, but part of that is I think because first when you, if you've never been exposed to the personal development space, and then you kind of immerse yourself into it, like I did, it actually kind of got worse before it got better in the sense that I wanted to be all these things and do all these things and level up. And I couldn't. For me, a lot of that was because mentally I wasn't, you know, I wasn't well. Um, so I felt that I, I had my bar set so, so high because of all the things that you're learning and seeing and the books you're reading and the podcast you're listening to. And I felt that I was falling so short. So I actually don't doubt that actually with how much I immerse myself, it's almost like toxic positivity, right? Like I was immersing myself so much in it, too much in it when I wasn't in a good place to do that, that it actually kind of made my, my personal situation and my, um, mental space a little worse off. Um, then once I, I continued to stay in that space and continued to get better. And then that's where I started incorporating things such as journaling, which I think helped. And then also another aspect for me, um, that particularly in the last almost a year now it's been, um, I had grown up, uh, with, with faith and going to church and for the first few years of my son's life did not do that. Um, and for the last year, um, we have been making that more of a regular practice and that's also really, I think really helped me. And I do, I consider that self-care as well. I mean, whether it's Mm -hmm. just like saying prayers at night with my son or when we do go to church on Sunday morning, uh, little things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely adding elements like that into my life now have, I believe been a big part of the change. Yeah. And whatever fills your cup up, right. That is self-care and it can look differently Mm -hmm. for everybody. And as long as you know what it is that you can do to pour into you do that. Yep. That's really important. And I I do think that we want, again, that instant gratification of we have all this information and we want it now because we see it happening to so many other people, but it doesn't happen overnight. And I know that you can vouch that self-development is a lifelong process and you just take it one step at a time, but it's really easy to see that big picture and want to get consumed by it and then feel like you're just treading water. Um, so I just think it's important that you do those little things every single day. And then with that, you will find the growth and you will get to that bigger place, but stay connected in the present, you know, and, and know that right now is just that season that we talked about and, um, just keep going with it and you'll get there. Yeah, I absolutely. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable because that is a very difficult conversation to have, but I appreciate that because so many more people need to hear what yes. you shared and know that it's okay to feel that way and to know that they can have help and they can overcome. And you're doing amazing things for yourself. You've gone through all of this and yet here you are successful in your business, working from home, doing what you love, have this amazing family. Your story is just that. And I I think that, you know, through all of it, it helped get you to where you are and become that person that you are today. And so I know that in that moment it was hard and you wanted more, more than anything to get out of it, but it really is 
that it is your story. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Um, thank you. Courtney, where can everybody connect with you? What are you working on right now? How can they find you? Because I'm sure oh that God. there's going to be people that absolutely want to. Yes. Um, so I, I'm going to be the annoying girl that's like, come follow me on both of my Instagram. Yeah, do it. No. <laughs> um, well, and so, yes. So I have like my business Instagram and then my quote unquote personal Instagram. Um, and I'm actually toying around with how I might change those up a little bit. But so Ooh. the business Instagram is at confetti worthy media, uh, which is the business name. And then my personal Instagram is just my name, Courtney underscore whimsicky. Um, so you'll find obviously much more personal things, um, things with my son and my family, um, and just inspirational over there. And then things that are more technical to Instagram and business building, um, over on the business page. And I have an Instagram course, um, that is, uh, I'm in my second round right now. The third round will go live in June. And then sometime in June or July, I'm going to have a big, like two to three month course that's surrounding, um, just kind of business building in general. So I don't even like have that built out yet. Don't even have a name, but I am working on it. So exciting. (laughs) Share about like what that's going to look like a little bit. Yeah. So, so what I, I, I'm going to just say it now because I got this idea this morning and who knows what it's going to look like a month from now, but I'm, I'm in this program. It's a three month program where you build a group coaching program. That's like what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what that's going to look like for me is I'm, I'm toying with the idea of something that's either 10 or 12 weeks long. Um, and my concept right now is that it's going to be a program focused on personal growth, professional development, and organization Mm -hmm. for business owners or aspiring business owners. Who doesn't need that? (laughs) Right. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. And I think that I'll always still offer like my Instagram stuff is like, it's kind of like my very specific like niche, but I'm obviously so passionate about personal growth and professional development. Like, I mean, I worked in corporate for 10 years and who couldn't be more organized in their day-to-day life (laughs) from being a mom to being a business owner. So I think that that's the route that I'm going to go. I love it. I love how business just evolves, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and we will definitely stay connected and Um, keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk soon. All right.